0: Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again today as we continue in our study uh, through the book of Jonah. If you're following along with us in your Bible or tablets or phone or whatever, uh, we are in Jonah chapter 2. To give you a little bit of context, we find ourselves, Jonah has now been thrown over. He, at the end of chapter 1, was thrown into the water as a result, really, of his rebellion. He claimed in the first half of chapter 2, which is the beginning of his confession to Jesus, that it was God was the one that put him in the water. God was the one that put him in a situation, not the sailors, not things of that, and and we talked a bit about the idea that that is the loving God, a loving God that will find us where we are and make the necessary adjustments, use circumstances to get us in the right path. Uh, What we're going to do is we're just going to walk through for a couple more minutes a breakdown of the second half of uh, Jonah chapter 2. The first half, and I love this, the first half talked a lot about uh, Jonah acknowledging why he was there, the condition that God had put him there, um, that to an extent, he deserved to be there, and it was God's hand. Now, again, you see, some people can see it as harsh, I see it as loving and gracious, as God's grace. Instead of just being done with Jonah, God's grace to bring him back, to bring him back where he needed to be, bring him back where God wanted him to be so he could be effective. It's a, it's a measure of grace and mercy that God offers to us. We mentioned it's not punishment, uh, but it's correction. Uh, discipline is the way we would put it. Uh, it's what any good parent or leader will do to those under him to make them them better, and uh, so now what we get to is the second half of this chapter really begins to reference. You go past what God has done, and now you begin to see Jonah's view of God. Now, obviously, outside of this problem with Nineveh, Jonah probably already thought this way. He was a prophet. Uh, kind of the roles reversed for a bit here because for whatever reason, he just did not want to preach uh, to Nineveh. So we start. He talks a little bit about his condition in verse five, acknowledging he says the waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. weeds were wrapped around my head. So you he has a full understanding of where he's at. Obviously he's in the belly of a fish, a whale more than likely. Um, he knows that he's consumed in the bottom of the ocean and all that's going on. Uh, he's sitting in this place with weeds and things wrapped around his head. Um, he's acknowledged the depth of his condition, he acknowledges of God, the grace of God, but he's there. Uh, and here, Here's the thing that we pull from that, is that no matter how far you might go from God, no matter how far you feel like you've gone too far to come back, God is always there to bring us back. God is always there to forgive. God is always there to offer grace. God is desiring to do that. So if you're watching this and you say, I'm not as far away, I'm not as close to God as I want to be, I've made too many mistakes, and a lot of people do that, they're so convinced of their failures from the past, and Satan uses this to bring them into guilt, we mentioned last time. Um, So uh, God is, we people are so convinced that because of their past failures, they can never come, but yet God is always gracious. He wants them to come back, but they have to first acknowledge the position they're in. So then he goes on in verse 6, he says, and I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever, yet catches. So he's in the depth. He deserves to be here. This is where my life is. Verse, second half of verse 6, yet You have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. Now catch this. He's in the bottom, and he's not, you know, he states God's there, but it's really his fault. I, I deserve to be here. I've made the decision. I ran from you to Joppa down to Tarsus, got in the boat. I did all of this. I kind of provoked the hand of God. I did these things, and now I'm finding myself in a situation to where I'm at the depth. I'm at the bottom, and this could be my end. It should be my end. Yeah, he says, yet you have brought my life from the pit, O Lord. Then he says in verse seven, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. I love that he says, "My soul fainted. It was pointless. It was an end. There's nothing else we can do." And there'll be times, especially if you're running from God or you're trying to stay from away from God or whatever it is, that you will begin to think that you know that my soul faints within me. This pointless. It's empty. There's nothing I can do. And then when you get in that low position, Satan will drive you down even more. He'll get into your head, and he'll convince you of lies and all these other things that just make everything so much worse. And that's what we hold on to here. He needs said, I was at the lowest point, I was at the far, but my prayer went up to you in your holy temple. At this point, I lifted my voice, and it's intriguing, I lifted it, and he knew he would hear. He understood the grace of a holy God enough to say that I knew that as I lifted my voice to you, that it would be heard. Then he continues on in verse 8, he goes, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. He goes back and he's making the comparison of the one true God. He goes, those who follow, and he might have been referencing people up on that boat, right? Those who follow false gods, false religions, in this situation, idols, those who do not follow the one true God, how did he put it? They forsake their own mercy. Uh, They follow it at their own detriment when they find themselves in the worst parts of life, when they find themselves where they are, whether it be life bringing it on, whether it bring their own, their own decisions bringing it on, when they find themselves in that situation, they find it forsaking their own mercy. There's no way out. There is no true, the false gods cannot help you. Only Jehovah God can, and that's what he's referencing. And then back to verse uh, nine, but I, but I will sacrifice to you. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay what I have vowed, salvation is of the Lord. So he comes in and he says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. You know, I love that. Jonah did not like what was asked of him. Jonah was running from what was asked of him. But when it finally came down, he says, I will sacrifice to the voice of thanksgiving. You will find yourselves in times in life where things don't make sense. They seem harsh. It's unfair. And when you are still being thankful, as much of the scripture tells us to do, to be thankful about it, it is a thanksgiving, it's a voice of thing it's a sacrifice, it's a, how do you put it, it is a, um, a, a sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, I'm going to be grateful to you, even though this is not what I personally want, I'm grateful for your grace and your mercy to you, and so there's a great worship and sacrifice, and he acknowledges my salvation, true salvation is of the Lord, then of course in verse 10, the part we know, so the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So God had used the fish to bring Jonah back to where he'd started. He'd gone down to get into that boat to go the opposite way. And so God takes the fish and gives him a a journey right back to where he started. And at this point, God knew what Jonah was going to do. And so as soon as it happened, he was vomited up on on the ground. Now, let me just tell you a couple of things that are more than likely true due to where he was. He would have looked a little different, probably a little more pale due to the condition he was in 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 the fish with the acids and all the other things, it would have probably brought with it some long-term physical results of where he was, not to mention an incredibly crazy story that we still hold to to this day, right? Uh, but he finally was willing to go, It made a change. Uh, our decisions, we can come back, but sometimes we carry the results of those decisions, some of those physical results of those decisions with us. But yet in all of that, we come back to the God of grace, the God of mercy, and if we're willing to turn, he's always willing to accept and always willing to bring us back to where we need to be. Hope that's an encouragement where you find yourself. You can always come back to God. He will always accept, always love, and always forgive. May you never forget that. Thanks again for joining us today as we take a few minutes to look into this passage. Hope it's an encouragement. Stick with us as we continue to look through. We'll jump into Jonah chapter 3 tomorrow and continue through this story. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time.